I'm Brooke McLaughlin, an author, speaker, teacher, and small town girl from the mountains of Appalachia. Over the years, I've had the privilege of encouraging countless moms toward a richer prayer life, helping them catch a vision for the partnership God invites them into as they become praying moms. Prayer is action all by itself, and our prayers can impact the people we love most for generations to come. I created the Million Praying Moms podcast because prayer is one of the most overlooked parts of Christian parenting today. Let's change that together. My goal is to help you see prayer not as a last resort, but as your first and best response. If you have questions about prayer or motherhood, if you need help taking the first steps toward a praying life, or if you want to know how to pray for specific needs affecting our children in today's culture, you're in the right place, friend prayer warrior or mom who's just starting the journey. All are welcome here. Let's get started. His heart was all laid out in the space between us, not much between the front seats of my SUV, and I didn't know what to do about it. We had spent the last 30 minutes talking about a challenge he was facing at school, and the question at the tail end of the conversation hung in the air like dead weight. What should I do? He didn't know that I'd been silently praying for wisdom the entire trip. Just a short, Lord, show me wisdom. Lord, show me the right words sent up to heaven while my boy bared his heart. 15 at the time and full of life and unfortunately full of life's challenges, he was asking his mama for her insight, something I didn't want to take for granted. And the reality was that I didn't have an answer. Thankfully, I knew the God who did. When I started praying God's word for my two boys almost 18 years ago now, I made a long list of all the things I wanted God to change about them. Their struggles, character flaws, sinful attitudes, and if I'm honest, personality traits. And then I searched God's word for matching verses or passages that I could pray about it. I truly believed in the power of God's word to change the heart and that God's word would do exactly what he purposed for it. That's from Hebrews 4.12 and Isaiah 55.11. And combined, these two verses seemed like proof that praying God's word for my children was the very best parenting plan I could have. And it was. Slowly, the verses and passages I searched for my children began to do what they do best. They changed me. And as we all know, when you change one variable in an equation, the outcome changes as well. People often ask me to share answers to the many prayers I've prayed for my children over the years, and my answer is always the same. Prayer is a long game. After faithfully praying scripture over my two sons for years, I am only just now beginning to see answers, and we still have a long way to go. The more visible response to my prayers is the work of growth and maturity that God's done in me. I'm not the same Brooke I was 10 years ago, and by God's grace, I won't be the same Brooke 10 years into the future. As I have changed and matured in my faith and my walk with God, it's changed the way I interact with my children. And I'm happy to say that I look a lot more like the mom I wanted to be when they were little. That day in the car, as I rode to a baseball practice with my then 15-year-old son and listened to him spill his heart about the challenges he was facing, I had a revelation. In spite of all my experience, I really didn't know what to do or how to help him fix the problem he had. But as he talked and I listened, I prayed a very simple prayer. Show me. Show me. And God did. Not right away. 
I distinctly remember having to tell my son in the car that I needed to think and pray about the situation before giving him an answer. But since that first simple show me prayer, I can honestly say there's never been a time when I've asked God for wisdom for my children that he hasn't given it liberally. Sometimes he's given me wisdom right there in the moment, but more often I've had to keep praying, show me as I search his word or talk to a friend. But God's wisdom does cry aloud in the street. And if we listen and look, her voice can be heard above all the noise and commotion and emotion of the circumstances we face. That's Proverbs 120. Moreover, God promises to give us wisdom if we'll only ask for it. That's James 1.5. And I have just always found him to be a man of his word. When I ask God to show me, especially now that my boys are teenagers and leaving the home, what I'm asking is for God to show me his wisdom, to show me the next right step, to show me his plan, to show me what to say to show me what he's doing and to show me where to go. In short, I'm asking him to help me see the things I cannot currently see. And there's a lot that I can't see. Thankfully, he's the God who makes the hidden things known. That's Daniel 2.22, revealing to me the things that are influencing my son's lives that they haven't shared with me. He is the God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. That's Isaiah 43.19 helping me and my family put one foot in front of the other. He is the God who loves my children more than I do. Look at John 3.16, and whose plans for them are good, Jeremiah 29.11. He is that God, and all of this is available to me and to you as we invite God into the challenges of motherhood through prayer. The show me prayer is my most frequent prayer. Why? Well, because frankly, there is just so much I don't know. In my first book, Praying for Boys, I told the Old Testament story of the parents of Samson and highlighted the way they found out about their unexpected son. After years of enduring the shame and humiliation of barrenness, Manoah and his wife were visited by an angel who told them that their special son would be a Nazarite and gave them instructions for his care. Now, to be a Nazarite meant to be set apart, usually for a specific time to fulfill a specific plan of the Lord. But in Samson's case, he was to be a Nazarite for his entire life. And not only was he to be set apart for the Lord, so was his mom. I find that really interesting that when the angel, whom some commentaries say might have actually been Christ himself, announced the birth of Samson, he spoke first to Manoah's wife and gave her directions for how she would influence her son from the womb. With that simple act, the angel recognized and validated the importance of a mother's influence on her children. The angel told the couple that she had to abstain from alcohol and any unclean food, and that they would never be able to cut Samson's hair. Manoah's response? Look with me at Judges 13.8. It says, Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, let the man of God you sent come again to us and teach us what we should do for the boy who will be born. Did you catch that? The man who raised Samson, the prophet all children who have attended Sunday school learned about as the strongest man who ever lived, begged the Lord to show him how to raise his son. Manoah's heart is a lot like ours. Don't we have that same question? Don't don't we wish an angel of the Lord would visit us and show us what to do? There have certainly been times when I have. My boys are being raised in a way that is almost totally different from the way I was raised. 
not when it comes to morals and values, not when it comes to teaching them to love the Lord. We're trying to raise our children in a Christian home that stands on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, even in this difficult culture. But our children are experiencing their culture in a completely different way than my husband and I did because of developments in technology. Bullies existed when I was in school, but now those bullies are videoing kids making stupid mistakes or compromised in vulnerable situations, and they're spreading it everywhere in a matter of seconds via social media. Just last week, my youngest son told me about something crazy a friend of his did at a sleepover that was recorded and shared all over the school. I used to come home at night or on the weekends and get a safe and loving reprieve from the stressors at school. Even if I chose to do something stupid at a sleepover, there was no documented proof of it. Now, these stressors and bullies follow our children home in their pockets in the form of a smartphone. When I say there's just so much I don't know, I'm not talking about the heart level issues. I'm referring to the many ways there are today to express the issues of the heart that didn't even exist when I was a teenager. It can be overwhelming. And I've seen more than one well-meaning parent tap out and give up because it just seems too hard. But I don't think God is calling us to give up. I think he's calling us to press in and to ask for help and to pray like Manoah, show me. Today's show is brought to you by our newest prayer guide, Praying God's Word for Your Child to Launch. It's written by my friend, Gina Smith, who has launched two children of her own and is now expecting her first grandchild. And while this makes her something of an expert in my mind, she would be quick to tell you that any wisdom she has comes from her relationship with God. She often reminds me that she doesn't have all the answers, but she knows the God who does. And I think that that's a fantastic motto for all of us who are currently in the launch season. Whether we are young moms, middle-aged moms, or moms of adults, Our children are daily growing in their independence, and the ultimate goal of our motherhood is to work ourselves out of a job. Preparing our children to launch begins earlier than we ever imagined as one life lesson builds on top of another, and truly, I believe it's never too early to pray for them to launch well, and it's important that we get into the habit as early as we possibly can. If we are in the habit of praying for our children in this way, we'll be used to being on our knees on their behalf when they leave our home, and we're limited in the amount of input that we have in their lives. The prayers we pray leading up to their launching from the safety of our home will be a springboard that's like no other. As their hands slip from ours for the last time, we will know for sure that we have released them into the firm grip of the Savior's hand as He faithfully surrounds and leads them in the very ways we've prayed over the years. In praying God's word for your child to launch, you'll pray for God to work in your children's hearts, to believe in his plan for their lives, be certain of their calling as children of God, live lives of praise to the God who made them, submit to the pruning work of the Holy Spirit, choose wisdom over foolishness, rely on God's strength, help them have the desire to please God, and much more. With biblical teaching, scripture-inspired prayers, and space to journal using our Think, Pray, Praise method of daily prayer, this digital prayer guide is perfect for the busy mom who needs God to move in the hearts of her kids. Download your copy of Praying God's Word for Your Child to Launch now when you visit today's show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Maybe you and I weren't visited by an angel of the Lord to announce the births of our children, but the call of God is no less evident on their lives. Maybe our children won't have supernatural physical strength that's designed to defeat entire armies alone. 
but they will be called on to fight the enemy of their souls on a daily basis. And maybe the story of our children's lives will only be known to a few instead of many, but the impact their lives can have on those around them is no less profound. Prayer, asking the Lord to show us what we need to know, in addition to praying His Word proactively over their lives, is one of the most important gifts we can give our children because there is so much out there that can lead them astray. There is an enemy whose entire plan for them is to kill, steal, and destroy. That's John 10.10. And it's in our best interest as parents to take that seriously. When our youngest son was about 10 years old, he was invited to a birthday party where he was quite literally the only child there who didn't have a cell phone. When I picked him up and he told me this, I didn't believe him. How many times did I try to use that excuse with my parents when I wanted something I didn't have growing up? But as it turns out, he really was the only one there who didn't have a phone yet. And it was a couple more years before he got one. And of course, he couldn't understand why. My husband and I explained to him that it wasn't because we didn't trust him. I mean, we did as much as you can trust a 10-year-old. We wanted to wait on giving him a cell phone because we didn't trust other people. Unfortunately, at just a decade old, I had to explain evil to my son and help him understand that there are people out there who want to hurt him. And even though he assured me that he would stay far away from them, I knew better. They are coming after him. The enemy is using predators to seek out innocent bystanders so he can destroy their lives. At 10 years old, this was really hard for my son to comprehend. And frankly, I'm glad. I love that my husband and I had, up to that point, been able to give him a life where he felt fairly safe and in control of his surroundings. But the reality is that the world is after our children. They will face temptations. They will face opportunity after opportunity to choose what is good, right, and true, or choose what's evil. The Bible promises straight paths for those who seek after him with their whole hearts. That's straight out of Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. But there is no such promise. For those who seek something else. When they're 10, we can make those hard decisions for them. But when they're 18, like my oldest, that becomes much harder. His entire senior year of high school, I found myself asking the Lord if we had done enough. Had we taught our son everything he needed to know? Had we given him a firm enough foundation that he'd be able to stand tall in the world? Were there lessons we still needed to teach so he could be prepared to make the best decisions possible? Had we stressed? that following God's plan was the very best way to live a life? Of course, the answer was no. I know this because I had excellent parents and they didn't give me everything I needed either. They did a great job preparing me for adulthood and continued to stand by me as I left their home and really even to this day. But there's no way one set of parents can give their children everything they need in just 18 years. There will be lessons that my children and yours have to learn the hard way. They may very well make some bad decisions, sinful decisions, and decisions that they will later regret. I did, and I bet you did too. In some cases, it'll seem like the enemy is winning, and the best we can hope for and pray for is that they'll rely on what we've taught them to navigate what he attempts to throw their way. But remember, while there will always be limits to what we can do, there will never be limits to what we can pray. And so we must pray. And we must never stop praying. E.M. Bounds says, Persistent prayer is a mighty move of the soul toward God. It's a stirring of the deepest forces of the soul toward the throne of heavenly grace. 
It is the ability to hold on, press on, and wait. In Ephesians chapter 6, the passage that instructs believers on what to do when they are under major spiritual attack, Paul uses the word stand three times. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. That's verse 11. And having prepared everything, take your stand. That's verse 13. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist. Verse 14. There are many things that God has decided he will not reign from heaven into history until there is human cooperation with his desire and design. Much of what he does in my life and in yours is conditioned by the absence or presence of prayer. That's from Dr. Tony Evans. Stand, friends. Don't quit. Refuse to give up. Show me. There is no such thing as unanswered prayer from a child of God. God will either give us what we ask or he'll give us what we would have asked if we knew everything he knew. That's from the late Tim Keller. Mom, be willing to make yourself a vessel for the Lord to help birth his plan for your child through your prayers. Believe him. Ask him. Ask him again. Make show me your constant prayer for you, expecting God to give you the wisdom he delights to give at just the right time. Till the next time, friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Do you wish you could have a short, sweet, simple something to pray for your kids this summer that sincerely asks God to move in their hearts, is easy to use, and maybe even encourages your heart to? Sign up for a summer of prayer with Million Praying Moms. Each morning this summer, you'll receive a simple, scripture-inspired prayer for your child in your email inbox, just one a day. We'll work our way through the book of Romans, asking God to do things like turn their hearts toward Him, follow Him, trust Him, put their faith in Him, stand up for Him, and be obedient to Him. Get signed up right now in today's show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry, your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus. So ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.